I wanted to be able to impact people like I did teaching a leadership program, but not just 15 a year. That's all I could do at corporate is impact 15 a year. They give me, these people apply the program, they get them, I teach them, and then we, they, we graduate them, a cohort. Well, I can't impact, you know, more than that in corporate. So I want to impact thousands. I want to impact millions of people in a positive way. Successes, welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. We have a very special guest with us today. He is the founder and CEO of Blazer Own Trail Consulting. He also has a top-rated podcast called Blazer Own Trail. We have none other than Jordan Mendoza. Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's an honor to be here, guys, and uh, hopefully I can add some value to your audience today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Jordan, today's topic is the fear of failure. I know a lot of people, um, when they go on this journey of trying to succeed or when they're trying to achieve, uh, what holds people back mostly is their fear of failure, right? Um, and it's one of those things to where that, it, can, it, can, it can stop people from, from pursuing things. And as an entrepreneur, that's what you, specifically as an uh, entrepreneur, that's what you you go up against a lot when you first start. So can you walk us through like that mentality? Cause I know you, you started your business this year, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Officially. Well, I guess uh, launched in January, officially got the, all the LLC stuff done in in February. So, you know, I, yeah, I've been on that journey in 21, but you know, I think over my life, if I even look back to childhood, starting little businesses, little side hustles, whether it was the sports cards flipping when I was eight and nine, you know, back when <laughs> Ken Griffey played for the Mariners and and going to sports cards and and, and trying to trying to trade up and and things like that, or if it was, um, you know, even back to uh, selling sneakers in high school, you know, I had somebody that worked at at Nike and would get them for. Uh, half off and then we'd flip them for retail. So, you know, all of those things you, you learn, right? You learn lessons and you learn when you don't get the best end of the transaction, <laughs> you know, that yeah. could be a failure, right? So there's a, a monetary loss right there. But, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, um, you, you've got to really embrace failure because if you're not trying, you're not going to fail, Right. But if you're actually out there executing and becoming a practitioner of your craft, you're going to fail a ton. And it's OK. You know, it's OK as long as you look at it and you say, hey, what are the lessons I can take away from this? Hmm. It, I used to have a boss at, at uh, one of my first jobs at a college. His name is Joe. And he used to always say fear of failure is the thing that propels people to success. And I used to get annoyed with him. Because back then I was like super optimistic. Not that I'm not now, but I was more optimistic then. And I used to go, no, it's excitement for success, which propels you forward. But the more responsibilities that I take on, the more I, I feel this, this fear of failure kind of like in the pit of my stomach. And in a, in a way, it does propel me forward. Because the more things that you have on your shoulder the more you feel like you have no choice but to succeed. So as a, as a father of five, can you empathize with me with this, this pit in your stomach, this fear of failure? Oh, a hundred percent, you know, and, and like I said, kind of off air, you know, when you're a dad, you're going to fail a lot. You know, you're going to say the wrong things, even though you thought it was the right thing in your head, you know, you're going to, mm. you know, not, you know, not make good on a promise because of whatever reason in the universe that happened, you know? So, you know, they're, those things are going to happen on a daily basis. And, you know, uh, as a, I don't know if you guys are, are married, but, you know, I've been married yes. with my wife for been with her uh, 18 years now. So I fail wow. a lot, you know, fail, fail daily in that area too. But again, yeah. it's all about, you know, what can I take away from this? You know, am I willing, uh, right? Am I willing to put, you know, those big boy pants on and say, you know what? I actually need to take inventory in this area because I did make a mistake. Uh, and it's very easy to say, guys, <laughs> you know, but not right. easy to do, right? Not 100%. easy to to execute on. But I think it's important for people to hear that because anyone that, that thinks that they're not failing or that say they don't ever fail, they're just not trying hard enough, you know. They're not putting themselves out there, uh, you know, far enough to reach that failure. 100%. I'm actually, I'm, I'm curious to hear this from both of you all. Is it, do you fail if you continue to, pursue things 
for 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 example, like if if you're if you're building a business and you don't get that first deal, or or you think that the meeting is going to go well, and you get hit with the unexpected question, and but you continue to move forward, is there a such thing as failure if you continue to prepare forward? Because uh, Michael Jordan, I think he says best. He said he doesn't fail; he wins and he learns. So every failure turns into a lesson that he can use to help him win the next go round that he tries. So even though in the very beginning of his career, he got beat up by the Pistons. All those, he said he doesn't really consider those failures. He considered those learning lessons that he had to become a team player. He had to be, he had to get into the gym. And then once he figured that out, he was able to be a six time champion, six and oh in the finals. So would you say Jordan and I want to start with you. Do you think failure is a word if you continue on the road to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it depends on your personality type. You know, every, we're all wired different. You know, some some people do, like you said, Brian, get <clears throat> negatively motivated, right? And some people are more positively motivated. They they see a goal and they want to accomplish it. Some people may be motivated because someone said they couldn't do something. But failure, a loss, you know, not succeed, whatever you want to call it, and because I think the the words are just words, right? But I think the important thing that you mentioned, Chris, is did I learn something and can I actually, now that I have this new information, can I actually apply it in my life to become a better version of me? Okay, so whether it's a fail, whether it's called a loss or, you know, you didn't didn't get it this time, whatever you want to call it, um, I think that there's value in it as long as you can take that value with you. Hmm. Brian? You know, I keep thinking about... um, that MMA fighter, Khabib, you guys know who I'm talking about? I don't know how to yeah, say no, his exactly last name. He, he's like undefeated, right? Or I, I believe his record is. He is, as, yeah. Okay, so he's just totally undefeated. So sometimes I'll look at a guy like him and I'll go, you see, there's an example. He never failed. He never failed before. Why can't I be a guy like that in business where every single thing that I touch turns to gold? But then I think, you know, we don't see everyone's, failures. For example, perhaps prior to a fight, Khabib is constantly losing fights to people that he's training against in order to be that much better in the real fight. So I'm wondering within a business perspective, like what is that version of of like that training ground, so to speak? And so what is the training ground and what is the actual arena of business? I'd be curious to get everyone's mm. thoughts on that. I yeah. think. Go ahead, Jordan. I want to defer to you before I answer. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a really good question. I think it um, it comes down to um, what what's the battlefield look like for you? You know, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, training training to me, like if you're in sales, training is picking up the phone, right? Training is knocking on the door, you know. Um, that's, that's part of your training process. You're actually going out there and you're having to hit that, that dial number. You're having to knock on those hundred doors, knowing that you're only going to get a certain amount of yeses, you know? So I think that the training, if you're a salesperson is out in the field and then you reevaluate at the end of the day, and that's what turns into your, your business, right? So you see like, where, where did I, where was I effective? Oh, you know what? My clothes needs to get better here. And all of that stuff helps propel you and become a better business person. I, I think uh, it depends on what light you're in, right? Like Khabib, when he's undefeated in fights, we didn't see when he was first starting out and how many faults and fights he lost in order to become that undefeated person in the limelight. So mm. for a business person who like who always sees a win in business, whoever that person is to you or in, in or in a career job where the person always gets promoted, always wins the, the, the awards every single year. You don't see what that journey was. Maybe before public wins, they had a ton of closed door losses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Z and uh, Jay Z says, you know, never trumpet your failures like that, right? You know, in terms of like, not saying that you want to beat your chest and saying I've I've always won, but he says it, it's you have to learn things, right? Um, and then he speaks on that once he learns how to whatever lessons that he learned from that failure, 
and and that win, then he talks about it. But in in, in the public eye, it's like okay, like Jordan said, it's just whatever your 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 battlefield is, right? Um, like like Floyd like Floyd Mayweather, he's fifty and zero, right? He's never lost a boxing match. Ever. Good example. But before he became Money Mayweather, he lost the Olympics. He got bronze, right? So he lost a few fights before he started his official professional career, and then he just outworked everybody in order to become the person who who he is today. So it depends. It depends on yeah. the limelight you're in, for sure. Hmm. I guess it makes sense in in that within the realm of business. And again, it, this is success fundamental. So we don't always want to skew all success to business success, but Jordan as an entrepreneur, I, I think you could be valuable to us in that realm. There really is no like octagon where it's like Jordan's been doing sales, 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 sales. And here he is in the final sales octagon. Let's see how he does. Like there's no such yeah. thing as that in the realm of business. Um, but to your point, it does make sense. I think a part of success maybe in general is being vulnerable enough and putting yourself in positions enough to to have to face failure frequently, frequently. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and I think, you know, to your point, Brian, I mean, there's times when we get punched in the mouth, right? I, oh, I mean, sure. I, I can tell you a quick story. Uh, my first sales job, I was in eighth grade. Uh, it was for the Oregonian newspaper and we uh, would get picked up in our neighborhood. It was me, my brother, our buddy, Steve, and we would, a guy would drop us off in an apartment community or neighborhoods. We'd have clipboards and our goal was to go try to get subscribers for the newspaper, mm-hmm. right? The, the daily or the daily and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and then they'd feed us free Burger King, right? It was like the best, best job you could get, man, in eighth grade. And so I remember my first day I was out in the field. I had my little clipboard. I'm knocking on doors and people are answering them. And of course, people are closing the door. It's, hey, you woke up my baby. You know, it wasn't all what I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to see this kid feel bad for me. I was going to get some sales, you know, and make <laughs> some commissions. But what happened over time, and, and if you've ever done any kind of sales and any of your listeners have sold, when you hear the word no over and over and over again, it affects your mindset, right? It starts, and so sure. my body language would would start to change. My facial expressions started to change, and so by door fifty, I was defeated. By door mm. sixty, I wanted to quit. By door one hundred, I was on the curb with my clipboard <laughs> and my head between my legs, right? Mm. And, but when I went back to that office that night, the distributor told me something I've never forgot to this day, and this was nineteen ninety five, folks. But he told me, and, and I, I remember, I was like, listen, I don't want to hear any pep talk from you. I just want to, I want to go home. I didn't sell anything. I was mad. And he said, listen, I don't know if you're ever going to get this, but hopefully you will one day. And he said, you know, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no. And I looked him in his eyes, guys, and I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I walked <laughs> out, you know, and about four years later, and again, I did come back day two. I did get sales, right? So things started to click for me. And, I, and about four years later, I became a top sales trainer and I had a, a kid on my team out in the field and he went and got beat up out there. He didn't get any sales. He came back. He looked exactly like I did in 1995 with that look on my face. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no, <laughs> right? Because it's such an important thing to think about because, you know, what does that mean? Well, if they're saying, if everyone's saying no to you, like you got to get creative, you got to think on your feet. So one, one thing that I learned quickly mm-hmm. is I got to figure out a way, how do I break the ice first? How do I relate to this person that I know could literally slam the door at any moment? So I would start to look at their flags. I would look at their cars, anything sports related, and I would bring something up immediately to break that ice, you know? And so, you know, there are these lessons that we learn. Again, these are lessons I got. That was, you know, I was, that what, 18 years old, getting being able to teach this lesson that I learned four years earlier. And so to your point, I've been in this sales field since 14. I'm 40 now. So as, as I grew in career, I got into multifamily housing. I kept excelling and excelling. And then I became uh, in training and development and taught all sales for our organization. Why? 
because it started at 14, getting those hundred no's and getting kicked around. You know, you, you sure. got to go through it, man. You got to, you got to face those, but it's all about how do you react? How do you respond? And then are you going to take those lessons to help move you forward? No, for mm-hmm. sure. I think Brian and I can, can relate to the door knocking thing. Uh, <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah, we had to, we had to do that to do, you know, to start building what, what, what we built today. So that was, and I did mine in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, 150 doors a day, uh, yep. which is crazy when I think about mm-hmm. that. Yep. But, um, and, pe- and people there are, are a little less nice than where I was probably doing it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this so. was back in 2017. So this is like recently, yep. like four y- years ago. It's crazy. Um, but uh, so, Jordan, I, we, 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 so with this show, we want to kind of, you know, talk about the real when it comes to people going on, on this journey. And since today's topic is fear of failure. We're going to we're going to move into the the psyche, the mind sure. of the person who wants to do something, whether they're trying to get promoted, whether they're trying to start their own business. But this thing, because fear of failure, like you like you both said earlier, can do two things. It can activate you in the right way, meaning that you want to continue to perform so you don't have to feel the defeat of failure or it could stop you in your tracks and you don't do anything and you stay in that comfort zone and land. like you said Jordan if you, if you you're not if you're not failing you're not trying hard, hard hard enough so talk to the person Jordan in terms of or not even do, not, not even that walk us through your process of how you deal with that cuz everybody has that like I can only imagine coming from a job a lead a lead person in that job you were in and starting in January of 2021 what angst you must have felt you know to start your own business and becoming an entrepreneur and what all that entails and you still did it right so walk yeah. us through your mind process your, your thought process and how did you help yourself combat the negativity that is naturally that's naturally going to creep up in somebody's mind yeah, you know, well, the first thing that I'll say is, you know, the journey the journey started a long time ago. You know, it, it, this wasn't an overnight thing for me to launch out. And and, and just so that everyone that's going to watch this or listen to this has context, I am not in the same industry. <laughs> you know, I, I spent the last 15 years in multifamily housing. So this is luxury apartments. You know, I started in leasing, was an assistant, was a property manager, but I was literally inundated in that space for 15 years and then decided to launch an agency to help out with sales, marketing, and leadership. So, you know, to take to take a leap is one thing, but to take it in a complete other direction, a lot of people look at you and they're like, hey, I think that's crazy. <laughs> it's not, that's not mm-hmm. a smart idea. But so what, what did I do to get there? Well, the, the first thing I, that I had to do, man, is really work on me first. I had to I had to really build up that confidence and the way that I did that was professional development, you know, actually uh, assessments, you know, finding out what my actual strengths are, you know, because if you don't know where your strengths lie, it's actually hard to sharpen those strengths and elevate those strengths and you may actually just be making weaknesses a little bit better. Okay, so uh, one thing I highly recommend, uh, there's an assessment called Strengths Finders. Uh, it's actually this book right here. I've got it in front of me. Um, it's mm. called Clifton Strengths or Strengths Finders. There's an assessment in the back of the book. You punch in a code. It'll actually populate your top five strengths out of 34 possible strengths. And so what I did is I looked at that and I said, okay, this is, this is, this is my roadmap. This is my blueprint of who I am. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to activate these strengths? Am I going to go all in on these areas? Or am I just going to say, hey, this is a great thing that my organization invested in me to take. And yeah, maybe I'll use this. No, I actually wanted to use that info. Another assessment uh, was Myers-Briggs MBTI, uh, which I'm actually, I've been certified in Myers-Briggs now since 2016. Hmm. And uh, you want to talk about fear of failure, man. Like I, I hate school. Like it was, uh, you know, I was lucky to, to, to get out of high school. I knew I didn't want to go to college. It just, the standard education system wasn't for me. I was super hyper, like thinking about other stuff. And that's what makes me, I think, a great entrepreneur is I mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> constantly uh, have my hands in a bunch of different things. But, you know, I had to get certified in MBTI and I felt like I was in the college I never wanted to be at. You know, I was palms were sweaty, you know, you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't ever like do any of this stuff. And so I was 
my inferior functions were taken over. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Snickers commercials, you know, where it's like, hey, you need a Snickers. Like you're acting like somebody you totally are. So what happens when our inferior functions take over, because we're wired a certain way. Like my Myers-Briggs type is ENFP, right? I'm an extrovert. I'm intuitive. I'm a feeler. Um, and I am a, a, I'm definitely a perceiving type. Okay. And so knowing that about myself now is huge. Not knowing it before when I was taking the assessment, I was actually acting completely different than I am. I was at asking myself questions in my head, which, which doesn't typically happen. I was actually like flagging and highlighting pages because I was so stressed out. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to be the one person out of three of us that took this exam and didn't fail. So I pushed, man, and I pushed hard and I studied more than I probably studied in my entire life to make sure that I didn't fail because if I didn't get certified, I couldn't teach this leadership program I was about to teach, mm. right? Mm. So I actually had to get into a place, you know, that would enable me to have these things come out. And it wasn't a fun place to be in because sometimes it's very hard to dig ourselves back out. Right. So how'd you get, get it when we, how'd yeah, you get so, into that place? Oh, I got into the plate. So what happens with me is when I'm stressed out, when most of us are stressed, our inferior functions take over. So I'm naturally super extroverted. I'm upbeat. I'm happy. Uh, I'm talkative. When my inferior functions take over, what do you think happens? I'm quiet. I'm like the opposite, you know, and people are like, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Right. So again, we, we notice that stuff about ourselves and everyone, it looks different for all of us. So for me, I got into that place and my coworkers are like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'll get through this, you know, but yeah. I'm back in my hotel room up till 2 a.m. page flag and stuff because I didn't want to be that person that failed. So for me, it was like, let's kick in this other drive. But luckily, the content was actually helping me because it was teaching me how I got out of these things while I was going through it, if that makes sense. Cool. So it was, it was actually pretty cool because I don't know that if I wasn't actually in the content the two days prior mm -hmm. and then I had to go take this exam, I don't know if I would have even passed it. You know, I may have mm. just been like, I'm, I'm going to give up and, <laughs> you know, and yeah. not do it. Hmm. The, the, I don't know why, but this is reminding me of um, a case study, one of my, one of my friends told me about uh, in regard to like attention deficit disorder, people that aren't really, they're not doing well. I'm sure, I'm sure I have a, I've never been diagnosed, but I'm pretty confident that's, <laughs> that was me, up, especially in, in high school and yeah, attention. So same here. And then I eventually was diagnosed with it. So I, I have some buddies that are physicians and during that time where I was diagnosed, I was having a lot of conversations about it and they said, there was a study that was done where they were trying to make the determination whether or not attention deficit disorder is like an American thing that we just kind of made up for people that can't concentrate or if this is like something that's a, a universal human attribute. So they went into South America and they had a list of attributes of what we would use to diagnose somebody with ADD. And they went into certain indigenous tribes and asked the people in the tribe, hey, do you know somebody that is, um, you know, kind of scattered, somebody that is extroverted and, and talks a lot and bounces from one thing to another, one thing to another. And they listed all of these different attention deficit disorder attributes. And in, even in the tribes, people would say, yes, this guy, this guy, this guy. And the guy that they would often point to was either the chief of the tribe and often the shaman of the tribe had the attributes of people with attention deficit disorder. So the, the thing that we in our culture in the United States might consider to be some type of debilitating issue is actually viewed as a leadership trait in, in certain places. That's so, cool. Yeah. So oh, what wow. you were saying, I was like, wow, you know, you, you said you had a difficult time at school and you had that fear of failure because school was difficult for you. But in reality, it almost seems like it was a strength to you and that, and that's how you're, you're doing so well now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is funny. Right. And I think, but you know, think about like I was in high school in the nineties, right? 90, what, 
for five to 99. And so in that time, mm-hmm. it was, you go to class, you sit in the class, the teacher says, if you say anything out of ordinary, you go to detention. Like, you know, it was like mm-hmm. referral, you're yeah. in trouble. You got now, and now I'm out of the place that I probably really need to be, but it just wasn't built for me. I've got a, I got a 10th grader guys. Like she's got a beanbag chair as an option. They've got a couch as an option. They got <laughs> this squishy chair. And I'm like, that, that's the class that I needed when I was 10, yeah, yeah. right? Because now they're accommodating kids. They're realizing that, you know what? There's a lot more of these kids out there. They've got fidget toys. So they're accommodating them now. So I probably would have done better at school with these accommodations, but w- I grew up in a time when it was just like, you're a freaking knucklehead. Get out of class, <laughs> go to detention. Yep. And then now I'm, I'm the bad kid, you know? 100%. Mm. I'm I'm curious to hear both of your answers on this too. Um, if your fear of failure, if your fear of failure holds you back, do you think your why is strong enough? Right. Ooh, that's that's a good one. No, no, and I don't think so. I don't think it's strong enough, and that's and that's why I didn't leave a year earlier because I was close, but it, it wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't ready, and I and look, obviously, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You look back and you're like, yep. I definitely wasn't ready, you know, yeah. to, to leave, but I completely know. And it was one of those things where like I went when I was going to, I made up my mind. I talked to my wife. I prayed about it. I said, tomorrow I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to sleep on it. And then in the morning I will know if I'm going to give this letter of resignation to leave this company after 15 years, knowing I'm not going to get a severance, knowing I'm not going to get anything. Mm. And I am blazing my own trail, doing this on my terms. And when I woke up, man, I had a, the biggest smile on my face. There was clarity. I felt like this weight was lifted on my off my shoulders. So I knew I was doing it for the right reason. And it was sure. it was legacy, man. Like I wanted to be able to impact people like I did teaching a leadership program, mm-hmm. but not just 15 a year. That's all I could do at corporate is impact 15 a year. They give me these people apply the program. They get them. I teach them. And then we, they, we graduate them, a cohort. Well, I can't impact, you know, more than that in corporate. So I want to impact thousands. I want to impact millions of people mm-hmm. in a positive way and help coach people and help people with their businesses. And I just couldn't do that. And so once I had that alignment, man, and, and that clarity when I woke up, uh, so I, I would completely agree that your why has to be there. You have to make sure you have clarity in your purpose because uh, it's not for the faint of heart. You're, you go from salary to commission real quick. you know real quick right right the day that you uh start you go from salary to commission i I would say i'm sorry go ahead go Go ahead ahead, chris so i i would say that um you know the the why is definitely an important thing but i think even if you found the why and you did your research and you're lining yourself up and your career up to to eventually take that leap there really just is a part of it that is like courage like i I imagine sometimes like i I keep thinking of this analogy there's a place near my house where a lot of kids will go and it's like this huge 14 or 20 foot wall at a dam and they just jump off the wall into the water and swim you see a lot of people do it nobody gets hurt but there's still something extremely scary about standing at a 20 foot wall and just jumping off and plummeting into the water and as you're standing at that edge you, you might have all the information you need. You might want to have the fun. You might want to go out there and swim, but you still have to have the courage to jump off of that wall. So I think that fear of failure kind of is effectively you going up to that edge and there's got to be something in you that either does it or doesn't do it. And I don't know what differentiates those that do it from don't do it other than just, I don't know, courage, taking that leap. I, I think it has, I mean, it may has, uh, to, this is a, I mean, this is a good, this can go a lot of different ways because Jordan, you just admitted at first your why wasn't there, but you did a series of things yep. to say, okay, after I prayed, I talked to my wife who, by the way, you said is your, is the biggest reason to your success today. So, um, shout out to, uh, Natalie. Um, if, if that's her shout name. Shout out to Natalie. For that's sure. her name. Yep. Um, and, uh, after you did your due diligence, not just from a research standpoint in terms of like the job itself, you did your internal due diligence. You talked well, to your wife. and and not just that, guys. Like so, 
think about this, like 2019, I thought I was going to leave in 2020. I didn't. And then what happened? A global pandemic happened. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Right. So yeah. I, in 2020, a couple beautiful things happened. I launched my show January 1st, not knowing about this pandemic. And then in March, everything got shut down. So I actually gained about three hours a day from commuting. And so I really doubled mm. down. I focused on my business. I became a practitioner. I tweaked my offers and I, and I started picking up clients. So 2020, I started building that book of business, right? Mm -hmm. So what did that tell me? I can do this. I can do this while having a podcast, while having a full-time job and five kids. I can somehow, <laughs> you know, still wow. do all of this stuff. And so that gave me the clarity. Plus, I knew my why was strong. I knew that I was doing this for a, a purpose other than just my wanting to just go out and test the waters. Like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm not looking back. There is no plan B. It is I'm going for this and I'm going to make it happen no matter what. I don't care what walls I have to run through. If I don't get any sales the first month, if all my clients leave, like I'm still going to go this. And I had to have that dedication. So, Jordan, I want to ask you this then, too. From a failure standpoint, you have two types of people, right? You have people who say, I feel like this is my right thing to do. I'm going to jump off this dam without any, without any knowing if I'm going to break my leg or even if I can't swim. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just figure this thing out. Then you have people who need to validate their idea by proof of concept, right? 100%. Going out and seeing if going out and seeing if okay yeah this because entrepreneurs can be very optimistic can have blinders on almost mm -hmm. your idea is the most it's the greatest thing ever right greatest thing since sliced bread but no one's ever done it no, <laughs> no one's ever tried it yeah right exactly and the seven billion people on earth so it's like okay so we can get overly optimistic and then go out because even if you have the greatest idea if your execution isn't there you can fail so it seems like you took the second route of proof of concept first. 100%. Right? Yeah. It's like, if it, yeah, I have this idea. I'm good at it, but let me just see if people act. Am, am I investable, like for people, right? Yeah. And there, and there, was, and there were really themes. Like if I look at 2019, I, I got active on LinkedIn in April of 19, and I planted a lot of seeds. You know, I actually started coaching some people on LinkedIn because I, get, I got so many people reaching out. They're like, how come your content's doing so well? Like, can you help me? And so I did a lot of free help. So I look at 19 and it was a lot of planting. I did a lot of planting seeds, planting, planting. 2020, I did some more planting, but more importantly, I did cultivating. I was cultivating those relationships and those seeds and the people that did free, I would ask them for recommendations. I would ask them for a testimonial, right? So cultivating those seeds. And then in, in 21, I feel like that harvest has started to show up. You know, the, the seeds have started to grow a little bit. I'm starting to see the fruits of all of that. But just, I think it's important for people to hear that 2019 is when the stuff starts, right? So it takes time. And to your point, sure. I wanted to have proof of concept. I wanted to make sure that if, you know, again, I'm the guinea pig on most of my offers, which I think is the best thing you could do. Like put yourself through whatever you're about to offer somebody and then get someone else to put through it and then get someone, right? It's all about the reps, mm. like you have to put in those reps over and over because your feedback, you know, Chris might be different than Brian's, but I need both. And For I need sure. that feedback to make this an even better version. And so when I launched my business, like I have a couple offers that today look completely different than almost a year ago when I first launched them because I, I got uh, feedback and I made those tweaks and I made them even better. For sure. For sure. So then, okay. So I, I want to talk to the person who has a family. You, you actually are the perfect person to ask this question because you have a wife and a family of five, right? Hmm. And you started, you started this in 2020 after, like you said, the, the, yep. the 2019 um, and the proof of concept of 2020, then like, okay, yeah, I can do this. But going, like you said, going from going from a salary job, I'm, I'm assuming a well-paid salary job, to saying I'm gonna do this on my own while having a wife and five kids to support. Walk us through that too, like like that, like okay. So for example, for people who are out there who are in the same situation as you, who want to do something and they have a family to support, but they just believe in their idea, what advice would you give them? 
Yeah. Well, I, well, for one, it's important to make sure that you have money saved, right? You gotta, you gotta have some expenses saved. You gotta have your mortgage saved. You gotta have all that stuff dialed in first, right? Before, before you make any kind of leap so that you know that there is something there in case you didn't get some sales. Maybe it took you six months to, to land a client, right? Again, because a lot of people do it like to your point, Chris, without proof of concept. And then they spin their wheels for a really long time. And then maybe they don't invest in coaching, you know, and, and so they don't get to where they need to be as quick uh, as they want to. So for me, it was making sure that we had some stuff set aside uh, and then also making sure that uh, I also had clients, active clients before I left. You know, that was important yeah. to me to actually have people that uh, I were actually paying me before I left because that helped build my confidence too, knowing that there was some type of revenue already being generated. I wasn't just going out with ground zero. And so that was a, a super important part as well. And, and my business, you know, it's, uh, I've got an LLC, but my podcast and my business are all in one. So that's the other revenue stream that I have is podcast sponsorship. So I, I, I actually did a really good job at making sure that I, I got a couple sponsorships before I left. So, you know, it was just making sure that I, I did mm. have some type of momentum going into leaving uh, to know there was something there, you know, because again, it, uh, I, I was willing to bet on myself, but I think you've got to be smart about it as well and make sure, especially, you know, uh, for me being the, uh, the breadwinner in my household, because we have five kids and that right there is worth a million bucks in itself. Yeah. Uh, being able to, to do that was, is important, you know, making sure that they're confident as well. So there's this um, analogy that I want to give because it's almost a feat of time management Jordan, that, that you've accomplished as well as, uh, you know, starting a new business and all the other things that you've accomplished. So the analogy, and I want to see if this, if this resonates with anybody, um, almost like shedding of the exoskeleton. Like there's some animals that they're small, but they can't get bigger until they shed their outer shell. And there's this moment of vulnerability until their new shell forms, but the new shell forms around a bigger creature. So I think that with like time management, there, there's some people that feel like I have all of these different things I got to juggle. How the heck am I going to do all of this? I'm entering this whole new realm of managing this, that, a new business, five kids, uh, I have a wife, so on and so forth. You got to shed that exoskeleton. There is that feeling of vulnerability. But after a while, you're like, wow, I'm managing it. I'm this new guy that can manage all of these things now. Do you feel that th there's any anything to that, or uh, that's? I feel like that's where I've always lived. I've always thrived in chaos. <laughs> you know, that's actually <laughs> a trait yeah. of mine. And and when I think back to childhood, like I, where I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon, you know my uh, my mom and and with four of my siblings, like we were super poor, didn't have a lot of money, so we moved a lot, right? So moving become a natural thing to me. So as I grew up and I started getting jobs some of them traveled and that was easy for me because I was used to doing that as a kid. Right. So mm -hmm. change is easy because I experienced it a lot. There's some people that have lived in the same house for 25 years and haven't experienced change. And so when they get into the real world and experience it for the first time, it's crazy. 100%. Right. It's, it, but so I think about like all of your experiences in life add value to your life. If you 1, try to find the perspective in it, you know, mm. so I think about not like now as an adult, you know, and when I think about money and things like that for my kids, like I try to teach them because I didn't have any, it's it, I'm not out there going and trying to get all this fancy stuff and things like that. I'm like showing them, Hey, like save your money. And so I've got a 16 year old with a job at, at Chick-fil-A right now. And he's been there three weeks and he's got a thousand dollars saved, right? Because he's frugal, you know, and, and that's the way that we've, we've taught him. So again, I think we can uh, kind of pick these little lessons and not every uh, childhood memory of mine is good. Not, not everyone is bad, but I think if we can try to find lessons, you know, try to find things to extract and look at it through a different lens, man, the, uh, the world becomes a much better place. You're 100% right on that. I, I didn't, I was the same way, Jordan. I, I didn't grow up. I grew up, we grew up very poor. Um, and, <clears throat> At the time, you don't really appreciate it when you're going through it, actually. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> you just, you, it's like you don't appreciate it at all because it's like 
why is this happening to us? Like, I don't understand it at all. And then you get older and you get in business, which is which is a 24-7 sport. And you realize how much uh, how much resilience resiliency helps you out in this sport. Right. You realize 100%. how much uh, dealing with the disappointment helps you out in this sport, because if you if you experienced it young, understand how to deal with it and you came out OK, when things happen to you, you may have a you may be disappointed. It doesn't feel good in the moment. But then you're like, okay, I I felt th- not specifically this, but I felt this feeling before, and I came out on top, and I came out on, all right. I'm still here today, right? So you're 100 percent right. I think everything has, um, everything has a, a lesson in it. And, and if you come up, unfortunately, if you come up like unfortunately and, and fortunately, because if you can get through it, then you you you'll be okay. But if you if you can look back and take those lessons as you're going throughout life, it helps you out so much because you've experienced it before. And, you know, and it's yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say it's, it's interesting too because I got I got the best of both worlds. So I I didn't meet my real dad until I was twelve, and so my first twelve years of life it was moving from one apartment to a neck, you know, doing all this stuff, and that continued. But the, when I was twelve, my mom said, "Hey, do you want to go meet your dad? He lives in Washington D.C." I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go. And she's like, no, you're gonna go like by yourself. Hmm. And my dad's from the Philippines. He's a Philippine immigrant, came to the States in, you know, in the eighties. And so I fly in, you know, early nineties at 12 to, to, to DC by myself. Right. So that's an experience in itself at 12 from Portland to Minneapolis, St. Paul to Washington national and meet this Filipino family. (laughs) That's my dad and stepmom and a couple other brothers. So I got to experience a whole different culture. And then at 16, I had the the pleasure of going to the Philippines by myself for the first time for three months and seeing how that culture lived. And man, when I tell you we have it good in the States. We have it really, really good because I went to a village eight hours north of Vanilla. We had to pump our own water. Like electricity was there. I had to sleep on bamboo shoots. I mean, you go to these little corner stores and they got excited about a Ziploc bag full of Coca-Cola. So my Uh, perspective got really shifted at 16 and I came back to the States and looked at my life and thought I had it really good. So, you know, sometimes mm. we learn these lessons on, uh, from experiences and from journeys. And so that's why I said, I got to really see it from both angles, which was very, very unique because when I went back home after the summers or when I came back from the Philippines, I was still living in that other life. Exposure leads to expansion. So this this actually leads me to a question that uh, as a father, Jordan, I think your, your perspective is going to mean a lot. So, so Chris and I had a discussion, uh, I think on episode 29, about a lot of people come from uh, like poverty or a difficult background. They work hard. They overcome their financial struggles. They have a family, but now their children do not have the same financial struggles that they have. So since you learned so many lessons through those struggles, overcame those struggles, how are you going to teach your children those same attributes that your struggles gave you? Yeah, and it's already started to happen. You know, we're we're already talking about, you know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as a budget. You didn't have anything to budget. <laughs> you know, right. how, how do I budget 100%. these co- color-coordinated food stamps? What am I supposed to do with these things? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there was nothing to budget, and that's also something that wasn't taught in school. It wasn't important. It was like, man, I'm just happy to get another meal if I can get some chips or something. Like, I would literally go, guys, door-to-door, and in Oregon, you got five cents for every can. I would literally go door-to-door, make up some story, and get people's cans and go turn them in to go buy candy. I was hustling, man. I was hustling yeah, to try to come up with that stuff. So, so now I actually, it's funny because I, I tell my kids, I'm like, like, if you can get good at fundraising, you know, I wasn't really good at sports when I was a kid. I played soccer and baseball, I think 12 years. I love the fundraising aspect. The, I need to go approach somebody and smile and use my eye contact and, and try to get them to do something. And I tell my kids because two of them are very similar personalities to me and we bump heads a bunch, you know, because we're, we're so similar. It's my 10 year old and my 16 year old, but both of them can win any debate. They're always negotiating. And I'm like, use that in a positive way. I'm like you debating me about dessert and, and bedtime is not ever going to work, but you go debate in class, you go debate on your opinion, you go and sell 
that's where you can use that skill set. But there's a time and a place for it, you know. So it's it's really cool to be able to see their personalities unfold. Which ones are more introverted? Which ones are more extroverted? And 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 seeing them shine in their own and having their own personalities. But yeah, to your point, yeah, we're we're going to educate them, you know, um, to from what we've learned, not what we, not what we experienced, you know, and that's, what's mm. super important to us. That makes, so 100%. educate them from what you have learned, not from what you've experienced. There it is, Chris. We were wondering this for an entire episode. One, you, know, you, you end up, exactly. you make it, uh, you overcome your struggles. No, you're hundred percent right. It's just like, it's one of those things to where, Cause you don't, cause my, my, my thing, I don't have any kids. I am married, but I don't have any kids. Um, and my, my thing is my fear is one, they're, they will never, at least I, you know, God forbid, they will never experience what me and my brother, I'm, I'm the oldest of six, me and my brothers and sisters had to go through. They would never experience that extreme to that extreme, yeah. but I still want them to have, uh, some type of fight about them too. Right. Sure. You know, so as opposed to just, oh, well, you know, dad and mom were like, we're, I don't want them to have we're living good mentality because yep. when you go out and have to do it on your own and you understand how hard it is to get it on your own, anything that's tough or hard for you, you're not going to really or you're going to you're going to fold quickly. And that's my biggest fear for my future children. Right. Yep. So that was a great. That was a great answer in terms of, you know, don't teach them from your from no teacher from what you've experienced. Teach them from what you've already learned through your experiences. Um, I love that. So normally uh, Brian asks these questions, but I want to ask you these two questions before we wrap sure. up. because I want people to, uh, you know, I want you to talk about your business and your amazing podcast. So we leave these questions intentionally vague to inspire thought. Right. Sounds good. So the first, so the first uh, question is, um, what is your, what is your perception of money, and two, what is your perception of power? Yeah, money is a vehicle, and power is a tool. Uh, so I, I think they they both they both go hand in hand. I think if you have uh, if you have power. And money, <laughs> you know, it, it can be a good thing if you're using that vehicle right, you know, because there's plenty of people that have both, but they don't use them in the right way. But, you know, 100%. money to me is uh, a vehicle. I'm all about, you know, legacy over wealth. So for me, it's more important to think about, you know, what am I going, what legacy am I going to leave behind? If that legacy includes, you know, property and things like that, that's great. But really, it's about what impact am I making in a positive way into the world? And so, you know, my business, like I, I'm trying to impact other people's businesses in a positive way. My podcast, I'm trying to, you know, inspire people to think differently and to think more positively and to do and to go out and blaze their own trail, give people the confidence that they can do it to get over their fears, to be able to do that. 100%. And before we give you the platform to speak about what you have going on, what is your success routine? Like what keeps Jordan at the top of his game? Right. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for one, having a routine, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was something that man, Chris, I was super intentional about when I was going to leave. As I said, you know, I've got to have this routine in order because, you know, what I know about routines is, you know, when you take action, that creates momentum, momentum creates consistency, consistency creates habits, habits create results. Right. So if you can have this set of things that you do consistently, uh, it, you're just going to turn into a better version of you. So for me, it's you know getting up early, spending that time you know in prayer, meditation, then actually spending time with my wife uh, before we get into all the kid stuff, and then it's being able to spend time with the kids, take my daughter to uh, the bus stop, uh, come hang out a little bit, and then kind of start my work day. You know, so it's it's about setting your priorities. You know, what's what's important to you. You know, where you spend your time, that's what you're going to get out of it. So for me, it's having those priorities uh, in place. And then also, you know, mental health. For me, mental health looks like I'm going to the gym and I'm going to go hoop for a while to take 
all the stress, anything that's going on with me, I go play basketball. And that's like my full body workout. So I'll go to the gym around lunch and then I'll come back, have calls set up, make sure I can go pick up my son from school. So, you know, again, it's about priorities, man. Having having a system in place, having processes in place. Uh, and, you know, because what happens is once you start doing that stuff consistently, whenever it's not there, you feel it, you know, you 100%. feel it and it can completely impact your day. I'm, I'm glad that, that you walked us through that because I have a similar routine. The first thing I do is I do my devotional. Second thing I do is meditate for 10 minutes. Third thing I do is read my affirmations. Fourth thing I do is um, read 10 pages of the book I'm reading. So just to, if I if those things are done in the in the morning, then I, then my day to me feels complete because, you, as you know, yeah. as a business person, things can get haywire quick. Um, 100%. And if those things aren't taken care of, then you feel like you've, you know, it's like you're, you feel like you're spiraling. So, so Jordan, tell all the successes out there, where can they find you? What do you have going on? Talk to us about your podcast, your business, everything you got going. Yeah. Yeah. So the best place to find me are either LinkedIn, just, you can look up Jordan Mendoza. You can find me on Instagram uh, at Jordan J Mendoza. And then Website's pretty easy, jordanjmendoza.com on the business end. Uh, and then the podcast, uh, it's anywhere you listen to podcasts. The website is byotpodcast.com. And, you know, what's going on with me? I've got a couple programs. Uh, one I just launched called the Spark Program, and it's designed to really take uh, the pressure off of business owners when it comes to having to build funnels and their landing pages. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it also gives them a CRM to actually manage their whole business from course software, email marketing. So we really packaged it. It's, a, it's an offer I had in one version about six months ago. And I looked at it and said, how do I make this better for business owners? How do I add more value and, and more help? So that's the Spark program. Um, uh, so if you have questions about it, feel free to reach out. And then I'm also, uh, my LinkedIn coaching program runs year to year. So if, if anyone is looking to really elevate on LinkedIn, I literally teach you the same framework I use to, you know, build an audience of over 60,000 followers and, and a couple of years. So I teach people, you know, how to optimize and then actually monetize their audience. I love that. Successes. Today's topic was about the fear of failure and understanding how to combat that, right? Jordan dropped a lot of gems today. Um, you know, he dropped about, he talked about making sure that your why is strong enough so that you can't take that leap. It's okay to have that fear of, <clears throat> that fear of failure, but make sure that, that your why is strong enough. Number two, have a routine, right? Have a routine, right? So because if you have a routine and you do things on a daily basis, things will, will, will work out for you. So take everything this man has to say. He's extremely successful. He understands what he's doing. He took time out of his busy schedule today to be with us today. Um, Jordan, we really do appreciate that for sure. My pleasure. Absolutely. So we will see you all next week. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.